Hello and welcome to another episode of Mind of Mitch. I am your host, Mitch Berenson. And uh, what a week I had. Uh, Here in Manitoba, COVID restrictions dictate that absolutely everything, stores, in essential services, and even some essential services like hospitals, have been shut down indefinitely, with the exception of casinos. So last Tuesday, I saw one of my absolute favorite bands of all time play a show at a Club Regent Casino here in Winnipeg. I'm referring to none other than Australia's finest, the Little River Band. I'm sure you remember their hits, reminiscing, The Night Owls, Lonesome Loser, Cool Change, Lady, etc. How was the show, you ask? Well, let's just say Wayne Nelson and the boys ignored the advice of one of their big hits, Take It Easy On Me, because they most certainly did not take it easy on me and the rest of the audience by any means. What a show. Now, I can't honestly say the band rocked, per se. That's that's not really their M.O. Some would call them soft rock, some call them yacht rock, but I don't think either label fits. You, you've heard of noise rock? Well, LRB are what I like to call white noise rock, the kind of thing you'd put on to help drift off to sleep. That's not because it's boring, mind you. Want to make that plain? It's well, because it's because it's reassuring. No matter what could be going on in your life, whether it's a painful divorce, losing custody of your children, a stressful job managing an increasingly unsuccessful Marlin travel location in a largely deserted strip mall, or putting on 15 pounds because you've just discovered the joys of slow-roasted pork belly, the LRB is there to assure you that everything's gonna work out just fine in the end. Anyway, not to brag, but I was not at the concert alone. I brought along someone who I met on the dating app Bumble. For the uninitiated, uh, Bumble is a dating site where, unlike Tinder or other such platforms, men cannot initiate contact with women. It's up to the woman to message you first. I find this uh, somewhat frustrating, as I am something of a master at conversational icebreakers. Uh, My favorite Tinder move is to message someone with a fun bit of arcane trivia. Uh, This often works out quite well, although there have been a few occasions where I've chosen the wrong tidbit, let's say. Uh, For instance, I once messaged a woman to tell her that if you wash your underwear in the same machine as your other laundry, then your clothes are probably covered in fecal matter. Anyway, a few days before the concert, I got a message from this particular lady, who shall remain anonymous, asking me if I'd like to meet up. We did so the next day at my apartment just before the show, because I wanted to make her some duck. I make roasted duck about five times a month, so I clearly love the stuff. I, I tend to eat an entire duck in one sitting, which makes me pretty much useless for the rest of the evening, and leads to a bowel movement that can charitably be described as a trial. But I made sure to cut back this time around. Uh, Now, she didn't care for duck, ultimately. She found it a bit too fatty, but we we hit it off regardless. Wow, what, what a woman. Unlike most people on dating sites, she was, get this, looking for someone with a sense of humor, had no interest in playing games, was not interested in hookups, 
and was a big fan of the NBC series The Office. We talked about a lot of things, politics, spirituality, the Southeast Asian form of foot volley known as Sepak Takra, and the murder of Bob Crane, and found our views on most subjects to be copacetic, with the exception arising during a spirited debate regarding whether or not a group of penguins could be taught to box if their lives depended on it. Anyway, after the meal, we were off to the show. Uh, now, for the most part, she seemed to enjoy it uh, until the final three songs. Now, it turns out that earlier that day at lunch, she had consumed some lobster bisque that she purchased from Freshco, and the lobster within could have been a bit fresher, ironically enough. Anyway, long story short, right as the band was belting out Help is on its way, the lobster bisque from lunch made its way onto my lap. I tried to tell her that it wasn't a big deal, that my pants could easily be disposed of in the men's room because they're made of a special flushable cotton, and that I carried around a pair of sweatpants in my knapsack for just such an occasion. But she was in no condition to listen. She apologized, she bolted from the casino in sheer mortification, and ran home. And I, I do mean that literally. I actually got into my car and followed her as she sprinted, begging her to let me give her a ride home, but she paid me no mind. Now, I was going 50 clicks and could barely keep up with her. It was truly terrifying. Anyway, nice lady, but I don't think I'll be seeing her again. I can forgive throwing up on my flushable, wide-leg cotton khakis, but being able to sprint at the speed of traffic like the T-1000, that, that, that's a turnoff. No, thank you. Anonymous woman, if you are listening to this, I'm afraid it's a near miss, but uh, I wish you the best, and I am willing to serve as a witness for you should you choose to sue Freshco or its parent company, Sobeys. I've done it before, and I will do it again. At this point, I'd like to introduce a new segment to the show, Mitch on Movies. It's a feature, probably monthly, in which I give you Mitch Maniacs the rundown on what movies I've been checking out lately. The last couple weeks I've seen some real beauties in quarantine, most recently the new Disney Pixar film Meds. The film is about a group of anthropomorphic SSRIs who must break out of the pharmacy they're housed in and brave a 10-block journey to the apartment of a minimum-wage-earning man in his late 30s who desperately needs them but cannot afford them. The voice cast for this flick is first-rate, with Michael B. Jordan as the plucky leader of the troupe, Lauren Lapkus as the goofy scatterbrain who keeps getting into mischief, Eva Longoria as the nerdy pill who can't keep her face out of a freaking book, and Christopher Walken as the kindly old pill whose mood-stabilizing properties have faded due to age, and who gets sadly crushed underfoot by an old woman practicing Tai Chi in the park. I was genuinely moved by the film, although I was somewhat puzzled by the film's numerous references, 47, by my count, to masturbation. While I of course agree that self-pleasure is perfectly natural and healthy, I, I did think the sheer volume of allusions to this practice including such euphemisms as jacking off, jerking it, 
spanking the monkey, and lambasting the sous chef sometimes bogged down the film's narrative momentum. For instance, at the film's conclusion, during which the gang of pills swings from a rope down into the man's stomach, the Lapkus character muses, I bet he can get it up now so he can spray baby batter all over his gym sock. Another point of criticism, I ended up dozing off after the movie, and I had a very unpleasant dream in which I was sinking in quicksand in the middle of the desert. I tried to scream out for help, but no sound would escape my lips. Finally, a figure appeared on the horizon, none other than Cher, walking with a heavy stone strapped to her back. She saw me and suddenly began to sprint towards me, managing to reach me and pull me out of the sand before it swallowed me whole. As I sobbed with gratitude, I went to thank her, but she was suddenly gone, and in her place was the skeleton of a lion. A great fear gripped me, but that was immediately replaced by an odd sense of embarrassment. I looked down and was shocked to find that I was completely naked, and that my genitals had been replaced by a large question mark. I understand that plumbing a dream for its significance is a fool's errand, but I can't help but read into this image my own fragile sense of masculinity. Just as the lion skeleton had morphed into a hologram of John Ritter, I awoke with a fright, unsettling my parrot Zevon, who angrily referred to me as a pig without valor. Anyway, that was an unpleasant experience, and for that reason, I cannot recommend Disney Pixar's Meds. Now, I also saw Fortune's Fool, the new Netflix biopic about Pat Sajak, starring Zac Efron. It was a fine movie, but I found that it did take a few too many liberties with Sajak's life for my comfort. For instance, I'm skeptical about the film's claim that a young Sajak single-handedly mounted a highly successful misinformation campaign that led to America prolonging the war in Vietnam. I'm also not sure if the available evidence really supports the notion of Sajak being the Zodiac Killer. And perhaps most egregiously, Sajak took over as Wheel of Fortune host in 1981, not 1980. On the plus side, uh, the scene in which Sajak hypnotizes Lee Harvey Oswald into assassinating JFK is highly compelling, as is the sequence in which he convinces Bob Dylan to record his poorly received self-portrait album. I also saw the film 1917, which was disappointing on two counts. First, I misread the title and thought it read 1971, and I assumed it was a movie about the institution of the NASDAQ Composite Stock Market Index, the most exciting development of that year. No, it was about World War I, often referred to as the Cayenne Pepper War. And what's worse, the whole thing was just one continuous shot. That's right, no editing. They just left the camera on and the actors made up a bunch of war and battle stuff, like one of those improvised Mike Lee movies. No thanks, no thanks. If I wanted to watch some rambling, scriptless ordeal, I'd just watch my son Coulter's high school film project, which I believe was called Autumn Exuberance or Spring Effervescence or something. Anyway, I cannot recommend a movie where the director is too lazy to do any cuts. I disliked Birdman for the same reason, and also because it had 
a subtitle. Pick one title and stick with it. If you're gonna name something, don't give options. My name isn't Mitch or Shane. It's just Mitch. Last name, Berenson. Middle name, Spirit. I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. 1917? More like 197 Kent. I'd like to end this episode with a reading from a book of poetry I've been really enjoying lately. It's called The Slick Puddle of Memory by Jane Ashton. This was published in 1987 by Memory Bank Books, and I found it at a garage sale in Wolseley in January of last year. I went with a Tinder date named Sarah, who works as a box office manager at the MTS Center, Immediately after we arrived, she purchased a toy pistol that she repeatedly pointed at me throughout our date, sometimes at my chest, sometimes directly against my temple. Uh, did not end up seeing her again, but uh, I'm not going to lie, part of me was a little excited. Anyway, uh, this particular poem is called Lover, Same Moi, and it really spoke to me given the bad luck with relationships I've had lately. Maybe it'll resonate with you, too. Lover, c'est moi. Lover, qu'est-ce que c'est? Lover, c'est moi. Our thrusting engines, pistons blazing, hot enough to melt. Gasps, moans, exhalations, nibbles, licks. Working to bring about a mutual seizure and a blissful melting. It's only remnants a beige puddle, the butterscotch pudding of our love. Oh no, okay, um, I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I'm a little embarrassed. I just realized that my son Coulter uh, told me he was finally going to listen to the, the show this week, and, uh, well, first of all, Coulter, if you are listening, I'm sorry I poked fun at your high school film project earlier in this episode. I, I love that you were expressing yourself, although... Four hours seemed a bit self-indulgent for a film that only featured a man and his pet chinchilla. Anyway, I obviously don't think there's anything wrong about being open or even graphic about sex, but maybe I don't want my son to hear me talk about this stuff. I mean, he he's an adult by now. I know that he knows that I know about this stuff, but maybe... I mean, I mean he knows I go to the bathroom too, but I don't need to talk about that in front of him either. Uh, then again, it'd be a shame to deprive you, the listener, of the rest of this poem. And so let me do a quick scan here. I don't think there's anything else as bad as butterscotch pudding of our love. That's got to be the worst. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, there, there's a couple things that are about as bad. Hmm, okay, well, why don't I just finish the poem, but just... Look, I hate censorship generally. I'm very pro-free speech, but just for this particular situation, I, I'm really going to have to... Uh, finesse some of this language, so please bear with me here. Okay. Those memories of late summer, the languor and ease of an August Sunday afternoon, the haze and humidity in the air, thick, tangible, the sweat on my hips pooling and congealing together with your viscous genetic material, 
as I lie stunned in post-coital reverie. You in the bathroom, relieving yourself. I stare at the ceiling, wondering if your sweat could be saltier than the yellow gold that you are currently expelling. I cannot help but imagine diving, a vex snorkel, into an entire river of your yellow gold, propelling myself deeper and deeper into the briny depths, nearly drowning in pure bliss. A mischievous thought comes to me. I rise from the bed, careful not to spill any of your genetic material on the covers, and walk to the bathroom, opening the door without knocking while you are in midstream. You turn more amused than surprised as I grab a washcloth and clean the milky residue of your genetic material from my down there. I gesture to you to cease your drainage and wordlessly direct you to save some of your waste for my... Okay, I I can't finesse this much more than I have. Um, I'm not going to lie. I am 100% into this. I, I find this very exciting. But Coulter, he's... Well, he's not, not a boy, of course, but, but that's immaterial. He just doesn't need to hear this for, about his old man. Uh, how about I try another poem? Okay, this one's called As Pistol to Stamen. It's a little more veiled. So, here we go. As pistol to stamen, as petal to stem, so my flower beckons to yours, eager to accept your passage, your breach, and then lie in the soil and bloom for a while. A coming together, a coming together. Okay, that's not that subtle, after all, but whatever. A peeling apart and unsticking after our sticky coming together. Coming together. Again, we get it. Our union, a sumptuous communion, followed by you, me, gloriously expectorating on we. I on you, you on me. What does expectorate mean? Let me Google that. Uh, okay. Spit on. Okay, well, that's it's not so bad. Um, step down from the other thing, I'd say. Anyway, uh, back to it. After that, we'll make a mud pie. Okay, no, we won't. We won't. Uh... Coulter, I'm sorry if this has freaked you out, but uh, quite frankly, this is who I am now. Uh, I'm I'm genuinely into this, all of it. And uh, as long as I'm helping you pay tuition and rent, by God, you're you're gonna have to live with it. Sorry, son. Anyway, that's that's all for this week. I will talk to you next time. <laughs>